0: It's only fear in your mind. And then when you actually look at it, really, it's just excitement. Fear and excitement, there's a fine line. I just started looking at fear in a different way and started looking at it as more of something really exciting that is gonna make me feel amazing afterwards.
1: Welcome back to Your Truth Shared. And in this two-part episode, I speak with Neve Hogan, CEO and creator of skincare brand Holos. In this first conversation, we talk about the rules she lives by, the importance of planning and why you need an equal combination of passion and reality to succeed. Next week, we'll be speaking to Neve again five years later as she hits the 10th anniversary of her business and we'll see whether the plans she laid out for us here came to fruition. I'm Finola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. Eve really properly was about nine years ago. (laughs) Yeah. And she was this wonderful therapist I used to go to, who I will never forget and have never met anyone like her since. (laughs) So saying all the right things. And it was wonderful because your depth of knowledge about aromatherapy, about the body, about the impact of scent and oil on the whole body. And I learned, I remember, a lot from just being a client. Yeah. So I would love to know how did you start? When did the idea come to have this business from that point?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I suppose I'm going to be honest to say there was no big plan at the beginning. Um, I was working as a holistic health therapist um, and I would have done massage, reflexology, aerotherapy, Chinese medicine. I taught yoga, fitness, meditation. It was a whole broad range of health. My, I've always believed in you're not just healthy because you go to the gym or because you eat well. It has to be a whole myriad of things. Um, and I be- always believed that even what you put on your skin, contributes to that health and happiness as well so in my clinic and you were saying I always I, you know I knew my stuff I always passed on my knowledge to people I, I was never kind of you know I was never like there's a treatment so there you go I'm not going to explain anything to you so I do always try and educate people um but anyway uh, going back to your question um I always used essential oils and plant oils in the treatment. So whether it was a massage or reflexology, whatever, I always used those ingredients in a treatment. Um, and I just saw how they enriched the skin, but also people's lives. So at that stage, I was more concerned about how people felt. So explain that to me, how it enriched people's lives. Tell so more. just even that, okay, so uh, the oils... Combined with a treatment, say, so the person comes in, they're feeling tired or they're feeling down or they've aches or pains or whatever. And I would choose certain oils based on the information they gave me. And just on aroma alone, it would give them a little bit of a lift, huh. um, but also essential oils absorb into the bloodstream. So their molecular, the molecular structure of an essential oil is small enough that it actually absorbs into the bloodstream and has a chemical effect on the body. So when you use something like lavender over time or rose or whatever, that is absorbing and that is having an effect on your body and on your well-being. So when the recession hit in Ireland, I, my, like everything, health was the first thing that went and holistic health in particular, people would have seen it more as a bit of a luxury yeah. So the client started to go down,
1: I which is very time. interesting. Health perceived as luxury.
0: Yes, mm. yeah, and something I, I suppose with holistic health, because we sort of push the the prevention is better than cure. It's that we, you know, we're like always kind of going, look, you do these treatments to keep yourself well. Now, often the case was I would get people who just had, had no luck with doctors, and that's when they came. And sometimes yeah. it was too far gone.
1: Yeah,
0: But, um, so the clients got less, I had more time to do things, but then I also start to just make up the, the products, the oils I was using in the clinic and give, sell them to my clients. Okay. And then it was, Paul was doing design this time, my partner, and he was, cringing with these bottles going out the door with handwriting on them. So he started to make labels. And then as, as we kind of built some of the oils, I had these core oils I would have used. As we built them up and did labels, he I thought maybe I'll do Christmas markets. I'll see, you know, if I can bring in a little bit more money. These oils are beautiful. I'll see if they'll sell. Um, and Paul said, right, sure, I'll, do so- I'll design some boxes for them. And then he started doing that. And that was in like early November, 2012. Okay. Um, and he, I started to put photos up on Facebook. Once we'd have a product bottled with a label and a box and the messages just started flying. People going, how can we order? We want to get them for Christmas. All this, I had no website, I had nothing. It was literally just taking messages and getting people to put, I put, set up a PayPal account put it into the PayPal. Um and then I did Christmas markets. And we were what attracted them, do you think? It was mostly friends and relations and friends of friends. And I think when they I suppose you know, <laughs> support friends and then when they see I, I suppose for some people they they're like, oh my God, that's a product that like you could buy off a shelf. And suddenly it was this, it was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, I don't, it, plus, you know, I suppose people <coughs> would have known that I was very passionate. So I was very knowledgeable about what I was doing. Um, it wasn't just, it wasn't just done by someone who decided they were going to start up a skincare company. It, okay. it was a very organic, um, a very organic pro, um, progression, which came from a lot of knowledge, okay. you know? Um. So... Yeah, we did. The Christmas mark is twenty twelve. It was I was oh, no. I mean, I worked so hard. We were making, we were literally making boxes by hand. We were cutting them by hand. Everything. It was crazy. Did really well. I was left shell shocked. And then March twenty thirteen, Paul was like, "Annie, what are you gonna do?" Like, okay, that was really successful. You could do something with this. And he marched me to the local enterprise office. And I brought in in.
1: And what were you thinking when <clears throat> Paul marched you, you had this experience of being extremely busy and all the rest of it. And I mean, it was when you talk about, I think drastic change often doesn't happen drastically. It happens in increments. I think yes. that's what you're alluding to.
0: Yeah. So I was thinking at that stage, I've got all these products, but I have no plan. OK. Um, and I didn't want to <clears throat> go to the local enterprise office without a plan. OK. Because um, I was afraid of being rejected. Okay. But he marched me in anyway, and they were like, Look, this is export potential. There's potential for employment. It ticks all the boxes for us. So, you know, why don't you go do a business plan? I was like, Yeah,
1: grand, right. It doesn't surprise you now. Very action.
0: Um mm. Mm, yeah, because I've gone to them before with my therapy business, and they couldn't really help me apart from kind of mentors and things like that because it doesn't fit the remit. It's service. It's very hard to get support on your service, mm. financial support. And look, that's what I needed. I was in there going, like, all the mentoring in the world is not going to get these products on the shelf because I need money. Mm. And, like, that's the bottom line. I need money. So I. So they said, look, get a business plan in and
1: we'll see what we can do. Did it occur to you when you were in that meeting that you had something that had to export potential? And the reason I ask you this question is, one of the things I do a lot with clients is this idea of, I believe it very strongly about having a vision. Mm. And I'm kind of interested in this incremental progression and your vision at, before the Christmas market, your vision yeah. after the Christmas market, your vision when you're told there's export potential.
0: I think when you hear that, you kind of go, at that stage, there were only words to me. Okay. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, they have export potential, but I, at that stage, it wasn't believing that these would be exported, Okay, you know? At that stage, it was get a business plan done. And okay, for me, it was like, I need to believe in getting a business plan done. Okay. Um, and getting funding. I knew like that, that was, the you know, the, so that that was what I was totally focused on. So I spent like six months doing a business plan to get funding. Okay. So that was the end game at that stage. It wasn't to get them on the shelves. It was nothing. It was like get funding to get this out there. So setting yourself this achievable goal. Yeah. So it's a, a, there's always like new goals set all the time. There's a grand scheme of things and you have this kind of faraway vision or picture of where you'd like to be, but you can't work to that until you work to the other little bits.
1: So my first step was to get the business plan done. But did you have that grand? um, That's what's of interest to me. Is it, did you actually have that grand, maybe foggy But some form of potential vision. Well, at that point. Once I sat down to do the business plan, you know, really kind of
0: thought about it, I was like, I did get it all into the business plan that, you know, I did have it in the the plan, exporting and about employment and all of that stuff. I, I knew that that was the grand scheme, but I still couldn't see how. Okay. I still wasn't at the stage where I could see how I was getting there. OK, it was It. I, I just had to make the plan look good to get funding
1: at that stage. Do you think do you think you faked it a little? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Great. Completely. Um. But the I, faking, the process of actually even faking it kind of seeps in after a while. Yeah. OK. But And then you believe it.
0: Absolutely. And okay. that's it. Like and I, I say it all the time about faking it till you make it. It's like you have to have this vision, it might be muddy, but if you get past this one, this stage, you will be able to get to the next stage. So there's no point in like bypassing all the stages and going straight for the top. It just doesn't, you have to take the steps. So at that stage, yes, I was writing all this stuff down because I knew that that's what they needed to hear. I knew that, yeah, look, products do this, but I still didn't believe it in my heart that this was going to happen for me. Okay. But if I could get the funding, maybe it could happen for me. Okay. So next stage, then I got the funding and then I managed, I could pay for getting all the toxicology reports. That was the only thing that was stopping me from launching is getting toxicology reports and all the legal stuff done on the products. So then I did my first, I did my first show in January, 2014, where I brought the products It was the first time they were seen in public. And I don't shy away from public, but from being in the public. But I, that morning I cried. I, <coughs> didn't, want, I didn't want to go. I was sick. It was like, where are you going? I was going to showcase on okay. the yes. And I think that was when you realize you're at the next stage. It was like, Oh, my God! I did it. I did the business plan. I got the funding. I've got the products. Now I have to go and put it out there. I, like, oh my God. Yeah. you know, so it that was kind of the realization then. and then it was like just getting out on the road, um and you know, selling it, literally calling door to door because that's what you have to do. Unfortunately, it's
1: horrible. No one likes it. But you have to do it. So when you so you would have identified maybe shops in a town. What did you do when you walked in the door?
0: I would just walk in the door and say, "Is the manager or the owner around?" And I would introduce myself and take out the products and go through them all. Tell them my story. A lot of it was telling my story at the time, um, and I suppose I only learned my pitch. Yeah. By going and doing that. Yeah. My pitch got much better. And now I tell my story less and focus more on the products and what they do. And, but at the beginning, that, that story really did help with bringing in the first, the first, the first stockists. Um, and okay. I think they saw the passion and, You know, I did a lot of work and supported them. There was a lot of being on the floor with the, you know, visiting stores and um, just giving them on site support. Um, And then I suppose the next, so you kind of do that and you get lost in that and it's just busy, busy, busy and you're getting on with things. And I think probably the next thing that makes you realize is when the media start talking about you. Okay. Then it's
1: like, how did that? "Ah!" How did that happen though? The
0: first, we had, I had bits and pieces, but the first big one that just kind of blew us away <laughs> was, um, Karen Fitzpatrick. She's an assets model. She's quite well known in Ireland, had a piece, a little piece on her hero products <laughs> in The Independent okay and she listed our anti asian facial oil as one of our hero products and that was look and that yeah okay and that um, was our first got the website going we, we had the website but we're dribbling in the, the orders you know and um, so that kind of was our first our first kind of experience with seeing the power of the media okay, okay. Um, And that suddenly all these orders started coming in because this person who people trust and know has said something good about your product. And had you been active at all in the media before that? Um, Had you been on social media? Oh, yeah, would have been on social media. Like from the very beginning, like even before we launched, I would have been working on, you know, on social media. Uh, Like I I came into this business knowing nothing. Hmm. You know, I knew nothing. I had people saying to me, Oh, have you sent your products to so-and-so editor of whatever magazine? And I'd be like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd be furiously googling who this person was because I hadn't a clue who the influencers were, who the people who could help me were. It was pure stay, you know, study the industry, look who's influencing the industry, who are, you know, Twitter, stalking them on Twitter getting involved in the conversations um, lots of like strategic hard work in like making sure that these people knew who I was um, and then getting the products out there, sending them out. You know, I got lots of support, like Marissa Carter was brilliant support from the very beginning. Like she, you know, got me on expose at the beginning like our, fir- our very first tv which I suppose was the next kind of thing after the newspaper thing we were getting loads of blog reviews and loads of bits and magazines it was it was great you know it, as one comes they start to kind of flow a bit and then you get to a stage where people think of you when they want to do a piece on something so they will contact you and go Look, because you're something now, to say yeah, to yeah, yeah, familiar sure. Yeah. Different. Okay. Yeah, so you can get contact and go look we're being doing a piece on Irish skincare or Irish manufacturing or women in business, you know, we told you, would you like to Great. you know say something or do you want to send us in an image or something, you know, so
1: it's really important to build those relationships. So <clears throat> when people said to you have you sent something to the editor of this or stuff like that, had you been doing any of that before?
0: Uh, yeah. Like I would have started out with sending stuff to bloggers. Yeah. So I did a thing on Twitter called hollow, um, hollow bloggers on a Monday night. I did okay. a, a Twitter hour yeah. and that built a whole network of bloggers around hollows. Great. Um, so what it was, was I would partner up with a blogger every week. Um, and we would pick a subject and we'd talk about it. And then that blog, that blogger kind of inter- brought their friends or their blogger um, community on. And we'd have the conversation and then they would go and review the
1: product. And so, you would, the topic that you would discuss, was it revolving around your product or something else?
0: It would revolve around something mm-hmm. in beauty, sure. beauty or beauty. Yeah, like not as specific as as my product, but I was Holos and this blogger hosting the oh. twig. So it just became a conversation and getting to know people. So that built up loads and loads of content for Holos at, at the beginning because um, so bloggers would write reviews. And the, most of them were not huge bloggers, but they'd have loyal followings. Yeah.
1: You're amazing at what you do, but it hasn't translated into the success you wished for. You want to make a bigger impact, and it's time to do something about it. It's time that your brand, your website and all your messaging speak to that bigger vision you have for your business. So if you're ready to build a business that moves you, moves you professionally, financially and personally, then this is our invitation to design your own success. Design Your Own Success is the ultimate live and in-person program dedicated to businesswomen like you. Say goodbye to endless decision making and fragmented initiatives that never seem to move the needle far enough. Instead, spend five days in November with us and our winning team at the Brook Lodge in Macredon Village, fast tracking your success. Design your own success, five days in person, packed with exactly what you need to take your business to the next level. Find out more at designyourownsuccess.com and register your spot today. This is Finola and Lucy, and we can't wait to meet you there. So this stuff, for me, I'm always interested in the stages of an entrepreneur and growing a business. Mm. So this didn't just happen to you. Mm. It didn't, it wasn't, well, this is a question, not a statement, I suppose. When that first article appeared, was that the culmination of all the hard work you have done to get it out there? was it did it or did it prompt the idea to do that
0: uh no we were i was i was doing that um i suppose i was doing it um it was more bloggers because they were more accessible yeah um and then that piece in the newspaper it was the first kind of big thing i never looked for i didn't go for uh you know it, it had nothing to do with me except that it was my product yeah um And then I suppose I've been, I've actively, I have, yeah, I've actively looked, you know, out out for those things. I do connect with editors and I make myself visible. We'll send product to them. You have to do that. You like, they forget about you. There's new things all the time. You know, I follow them all on social media. I, you know, get involved in their conversations. Um, But like a lot of it, a lot of the big stuff is is luck. Like, you know, I mean, the next thing we got was Ireland AM. Okay. Pure luck as well. Um, It just came at the right time that uh, Laura Birmingham needed a product on Friday and she had nothing. And she looked at a number of products. Um, I was working with a PR company at the time. Um, and she looked at a number of products and she chose Holos. And then normally it's end up coming to you, paying for those slots, yeah. but she needed something, so there was no payment payment required. And she went on, and that was my first experience of being on TV. Okay. Uh, not me personally, but my products, my brand being on TV. And that was a whole other ballgame was like, wow, literally watching it on TV and watching the computer as the orders came in, wow. like just the power of, of, yeah. you know, the television.
1: Um, so, and when at this, so one of the questions I had in my mind to talk to you about today was this idea that. You start as this therapist and you start to have these formulations to make your own product line, but you're in an industry where there are a lot of big guys. It's Mm a real David and Goliath, and you at this point have won several awards that are in big magazines Mm -hmm. and you've now been nominated for another image business, that beauty entrepreneur of the year, which is a fairly hefty (laughs) thing to be nominated (laughs) for. What's that like? Did that ever sink in that you were actually taking on a major skincare range to replace that Um, in a woman's skincare regime?
0: I don't think you can think about those things too much because you'd run scared. Okay. Um, I've just, I suppose, gone with the flow. And every time something has happened, like, you know, when you get your first piece of media and realize that people know your brand or are talking about it and you're getting, you know, messages from people that are saying they're getting great results and you realise that it's gotten bigger and that, oh my God, you know, it's not just me in the kitchen making things anymore. And then, you know, when you win your first, like I won the first, my first business award nine months after we launched and the Bank of Ireland award. And then again, it's like, okay, I must be on to something because, like, you know, these guys know what they're talking about. So if I'm standing in front of them with a plan and telling them about my plan and my strategy and they're going, you win the award. It's like, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it gives you another boost um, to kind of keep, you know, keep on going. And then it's, you know, I, I think it's just confidence all the time. Different things happen new as you go along, that builds your confidence. You know, I would never have thought that I could stand on a stage and speak to 400 people. Mm. You know, when you do that, a little bit more confidence grows. You know, you go on exposing a couple of times and, you know, it, it, it's, ju- it's just, it's just, you're never confident before you go in and do it. Like you have to, I think you kind of have to, you're always scared. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. But then you do it and straight away, you know, you're never going to be afraid of doing that again because you've already done it. So every time you do something that you think this is happening to somebody else, you, you just get new confidence and it spurs you on to the next
1: bit. We talked a little bit earlier before we had this um, interview, we talked about stages mm. in, a in the entrepreneurial journey. Do you think having it in your mind that there should always be some part or something that you're doing that makes you got a little bit scared to push you to the next stage? Oh yeah. That's what,
0: like I have several, several like rules that I live by. But and one of them in business is if it scares me, I have to do it. Great. Like I made that rule a, a couple of, two years ago, I was like, look, If it scares you, you have to do it because it's only fear in your mind. And then when you actually look at it, really, it's just excitement. It's actually that you were just, you know, it's, it's, it's not fear and excitement are, there's a fine line. Mm. So I just started looking at fear in a different way and started looking at it as more of something really exciting that is going to make me feel amazing afterwards. So. Every, so I do, you know, I.
1: that's what I think about when I have to do something that scares me. Do you think that that has played an important role in how fast you've grown? Um, or do you even think you've grown fast? No, that's I don't. <laughs> uh, no, I I don't. You have to remember, I have worked with clients who might have started working with me and they've been in the same situation for 10 years. yeah. And often the challenge is to break the cycle. But I find it interesting that you have this rule for yourself, which means the odds are to keep that rule, you'll never fall into that cycle. Yeah. I like that.
0: Yeah, no, it is. And I I, I really, really, really believe in it. Um, if I didn't have something on the horizon that was scaring me, I'd give up. Okay. No, I, I would completely give up and I would just like marry a rich man or something (laughs) because like there's no point to me unless there's a challenge that gives me like a feeling in my gut that you know there's just no point um and I actually will get depressed if I don't have something like that like I I just need it and I think that's probably the entrepreneurial spirit um you know it's a bit madness as well but
1: Growth is life kind of idea.
0: Yeah. Like, and, and it's it's more, and it's not driven by money even. And like, obviously I want to do well. I want to have money and, you know, but there's so much more. There is that, like, just that feeling of when you've done something, okay. you know, I mean, my first, you know, like it used to be, I was scared of going in and pitch and just doing a cold call pitch. And then it got to like, you know, I've been absolutely terrified before I'd go in and pitch to like a pharmacy group. And then, you know, it was, oh, not uh, pitching to an, an awards, like, com, you know, committee. And then it's, you know, getting up on stage to 400 people. And it was, you know, Dragon's Den. And that was my next question. Enterprise Ireland. Was it? And, You know, like, I can honestly say the most scared I have be was before I went into Enterprise Ireland. Okay. Not Dragon's Den. Okay. Enterprise Ireland. I was terrified. Why? I was just because that was, it was massive for me because it was that, it was again, I was at that stage where I was like, what the hell am I doing here? Mm. I, I don't even know why they have picked me. (laughs) You know, it it was, it was that I had all the right words on the paper for them, Mm. but I was kind of, you know, do I believe them? Do I really believe them? And then obviously they finished. Really so I went in and I, I, I was so nervous. I was shaking. And I went in and I told them I was nervous. I did the pitch and it was fine. And we got on great. And there was loads of questions and it was brilliant. And I walked out of there and I think I wanted it so much. At the stage when I'd gone in there, it only hit me when I was in there. It was like, I'm here. And I've done this because I've worked bloody hard to get here. And I deserve to be here. And now I want it so much. I want this investment so much. Um, And then like two weeks later, I did Dragon's Den. And it it was the same thing that I kind of, when the whole Dragon's Den thing started, I was like, again, what do they need to hear? And then when you get there and you're in front of them, you go, Man, like I've done really well here. Mm-hmm. I've got in here. And you you and you wanted so much then. But it's that you have to go through all the other bits and be pushed into out of your comfort zone to face the fear, realize that it's actually really exciting, and go, okay, I can do it. I can do the next thing now. So, you know, now I'm in the phase of, you know, I'm starting to export. I'm getting partners. I'm speaking to people I would never dream to speak to. I'm going to bloody like investment conferences. I mean, how boring is that? <laughs> this is what I do, you know? Um, and But it's not boring. To no, you. it's not. It's yeah. not boring to me. This is what the thing is, that this is the stuff that excites me now. Great. Because I'm in that, you know, I'm, I'm now in that. I've now got to that stage where I know. Mm. I've done all those other things that were so difficult and so scary mm-hmm. at the time. But now I kind of think, yeah, they're uh, you know, I, I can, I just, that just has to be done. And Ten- I can understand it, Yeah. It is very, they're very scary. Every stage is scary.
1: But I think <clears throat> you're normalizing Skinnery with how you're speaking. I think that's really good because I think that there, in my experience, there's a lot of companies who will stay in a space Mm. Um, and I think it's good in this interview to draw attention to that to growth only happens when things are a little bit scary or some Mm. movement you need that movement to keep going Yeah and not to stop Yeah Um, What's
0: next, Tammy? Well, next is well, continue we're going for I'm building for investment first of all that's that's one thing that's happening that we' have we're gonna have to hopefully by the end of the year we'll be uh, looking for a round investment um export is big so we've just started exporting to the UK uh, and we'll be looking closely at Germany and the United Arab Emirates as well. And how does that come about? <clears throat> United Arab Emirates, I got interest from someone in Dubai. And they um, contacted They you. contacted me. Great. So I'm going out there to literally do, in October, to do market research for a week. I'm going to do the Dubai markets. I'm doing what I did here. Great. But in 35 degree heat. Yeah. Um, so just to learn, you know, to learn. You know, to be on the ground and learn. Um, and now we have a new range coming out. So there's big things. There's investment, export, and a new range, which is like a new
1: concept in skincare, and it's going to be huge. So, so you started when we talked about the product earlier. You said the first products were what is what you learned from your own clients and what yeah. you wanted to make. Yeah. And is this next round what the market has told you they yes.
0: want? So okay. we have devel- to develop something that the market wants. Yes. Um, but it's got a new spin on it. So it's Great. a new, and it's it, it's not, I won't say it, this concept doesn't exist because it does, but it's new and it's going to be big and we're getting in there at the beginning of it. Wonderful. Um And the products are absolutely amazing. They're just
1: gorgeous and really work. Fantastic. You also mentioned something about your doing some work which harkens back to your time as a therapist.
0: Yes. So we launched Holos as a retail product, Um, but it was always in the plan that plan that I wrote down that would like you know get me the funding. that eventually we would train Holofs therapists. So because I was a therapist for 13 years and because my therapies were all self-designed, really, like I, I never was one to just learn how to do something. I always put my own spin on it. I had five different massage modalities, that I diplomas, mm. that, that I put together to mm. form a treatment that you wouldn't get from anyone else. So what I've done is designed Holos therapies. Um, so it is a really holistic therapy. So it's like a facial, but it's not just a facial. So it's brilliant for people with neck problems as well. It, it's, a re- it's just a holistic treatment. Um, so we're training up therapists and salon owners, and they use t- the product in the salon they can retail it if they want, and they also become HoloS therapists. And then the idea is to build a huge community of HoloS therapists, and they will become trainers. So okay. there's great, there's employment and there's partnership, and there's loads and
1: loads of potential um, for a whole HoloS community. Fantastic. So there's a couple of things I'm getting out of as kind of learnings for people. Um, one is that you talk a lot about the plan. Mm. And that's quite interesting because entrepreneurs don't often don't like to do them. Yeah. So you talk a lot about them. I love planning. Okay. <laughs> Great.
0: Okay. I love. I love planning. I love, you know, get yeah. I and I I think I think it's really important to have a plan. Um, you know, it doesn't have to, every single little pain doesn't have to be worked out. And it doesn't always go according to plan. A lot of the time it doesn't go according to plan, but you still need to have a plan. You still need to have an idea what you are, what you have, where you are, where you're going and some measure of how you're going to get there. You know, my first business plan was for a year because I could only really see a year down the line. yeah. My, you know, second, third and fourth were for three years. I'm now writing a five year. Yeah, brilliant. Plan. You know, so those things that I'm going to put in the plan probably won't happen exactly like that, but they will happen. Yeah. And like, I it's like know.
1: A, it's like a planning muscle. You've <laughs> got to flex it a bit before you get better at it. Yeah. I know from <clears throat> in my work as a marketing practitioner for years that when I try to get people to think in terms of five-year frameworks, because I also want them to dream a little, to mm. extend a little, because often we think too small. Yeah. Because the entrepreneur, as you described at the start, one-year plans, one-year plans are because you you are a doer. Entrepreneurs are doers. Yeah. So they're very operationally focused. Mm. And it's always to stretch. And it's interesting because in Japan, they do 25-year plans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think what at the beginning you can't see past yourself. So you're only looking at what can I do myself. Yeah. And then it starts to grow and you realise, well, this is not all gonna happen with me. You start building a team. So you're building on the bits in the plan that your other team members are gonna do. Yeah. And you know, that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So while that bit in the plan, you're not gonna be able to do that, but someone on your team will be doing that. But you need to have that idea in place and if you're, you can be an entrepreneur and have, a, have something that mm. never needs funding or never, you know, mm. and make plenty of money and be, but my industry, the, first of all, the market in Ireland is too small. I'll never survive in Ireland. I need to be getting export. I need massive funds yeah. to keep going or for it to grow to the extent I want it to grow. So I have to have a plan. I can't walk into an investment um, panel with a bit of an idea. (laughs) It has to be, you know, solid, strategic and solid and understand what it is about and the potential that the business has. So um, people need to change their mind about plans, like planning, like you're just creating a picture of what you want like you know it's there's nothing more exciting than you know putting that down and like you have to put it down first before you even believe okay you know like if you never put it down how can you possibly believe it If you can't get it out of your head if it just stays in you like it's never gonna happen yeah you know get it out and yeah bit by bit it becomes more it becomes clearer and clearer
1: So let me ask this question. Thank you very much for the story. <laughs> OK, so if you were to give one piece or two piece or three pieces of advice to an entrepreneur, what would you give them?
0: Um, OK, one piece is that. I think a good recipe for being an entrepreneur is passion and a bit of groundedness because I think there's the idea of that passion alone gets you to what you want is pandered a lot to entrepreneurs Yeah, Um, in this it's kind of in that you know um, like you can have all the passion in the world but if your idea is rubbish and nobody wants it it's just not going to happen like you have to have this groundedness and reality or reality and passion yeah and you need that together you have to be able to look at and stop if something's not working you have to be able to take advice from somebody who knows better and I think I learned that from my first business I refused to take any advice from anybody I knew everything um so yeah passion was reality um and then I think to the and the thing around fear, like the, the, <laughs> everyone is afraid, and that if you're not afraid, well then you just being miserable <laughs> because okay. like that's a normal. It's a normal. Um, don't be afraid of the fear. Basically, that that is completely normal. Well,
1: I like that you're repositioning it into it's not actually fear; it's actually excitement. Yeah,
0: and so maybe is, to
1: understand that there's a difference between the fear that's the warning system and the fear that's the excitement. Exactly. Yeah.
0: You know, like if you put me in a cage with two lines, that's like yeah. fear because, oh my God, I'm going to be ripped apart. Yes. But the other thing is like, you know, I mean, you what what's going to happen at the end of this? Mm. If you go in and you do a pitch and the chances are that you walk away with a quarter of a million euros, like, would you not take the chance? Yeah, you know, go for it. Like, and it's that excitement. But sometimes it doesn't work. But sometimes it don't. Sometimes it does. I'd rather find out. Yeah, that's Thank you
1: for your time. me. You are welcome. Thank you. <laughs> take care. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Neve, check her out on LinkedIn or on Holos.ie. That's H-O-L-O-S.ie. And if you'd like to support the show, please leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode. What would you like to know more about? Send me a message and I'll reply.